you too so much for leading us in songs of worship where we can give praises to our God who is here and real and true and mighty and good and holy and kind. Uh, this is the God that we get to serve. Uh, this morning when I got out of my car and came walking into the church, I, I had that Chris, uh, not Christmas, wow. I had that fall experience where the, the smells, the, the sights, a few leaves were on the ground. Uh, it was the perfect fall morning. Um, other than a little bit, uh, a hint of that smoke that we've all been smelling in the area. Um, and it made me think of harvest. And then I walk into this space and I see everything that was around me and I can't help but think of the fall and think of harvest. Harvest is a beautiful thing, is it not? I think so. Those fields that are being cut and as you drive into uh, through town or out of town and then you're seeing these bales and all of these things and we know that grain elevators are being filled. Um, it's a beautiful thing. It's fun to know uh, that that small bag of carrot seeds that you planted months and months ago, um, you now have buckets of carrots. And you dust off one of them and you bite through it, even though there's a little bit of dirt on it. I love it. Uh, at least that's what I love. Some people would be like, I always wash all the carrots. But it's so good. Um, harvest is the perfect combination of mystery and labor. Um, the seed is completely transformed. Yes, the DNA was always there, uh, but the process of being planted, nourished, and given time, it becomes something utterly unique to what it was as a seed, and simultaneously holding a seed for the next season, this like ongoing process of transformation. You know, and science can explain some of that, right? Um, science can dig in, but the deeper you go into the science and into that whole thing, the more astounding and beautiful and complex and divine the process of transformation becomes. Uh, the mystery of growth uh, is exciting. Uh, right at the beginning of this COVID season, a good friend of mine had a baby, um, and she uh, grew and developed, and then in the blink of an eye, she's grabbing at things. And then you blink again, and they are rolling. And then you blink again, and they are saying words and crawling. And then you blink again, and they are negotiating with you the use of your car to go on a road trip with friends that you've never met before. Well, not for my friend. That hasn't happened yet. But for some of you, you know that went fast. That process of baby to, like, almost adult is shockingly fast. And you think to yourself, how did they grow? How did this happen? Uh, John Ortberg, in his book, The Life You've Always Wanted, Spiritual Disciplines for Ordinary People, says this. The possibility of transformation is the essence of hope. The possibility of transformation is the essence of hope. The possibility that things will not remain as they are is at the heart of what, what gives us hope, what allows us to keep going, to keep straining, to keep believing, to keep fighting for another day. The possibility that you can grow into more, that you 
can be transformed into a glorious, beautiful, powerful person that is a delight to others, and you are at peace with yourself. The good news of Jesus gives us this hope. You know, and I'm not talking about future salvation, although that is amazing. I'm talking about here and now. Right now, in this world, in this moment, the possibility of transformation exists. Jesus came with this announcement. The kingdom of God has come near. The kingdom that drives away brokenness, brings healing, sets people free, provides redemption, and holds the power of radical transformation. That that story is layered on top of this story of a hurting world. Our frustrations layered on top of that is the hope of transformation, the possibility of not remaining where we are at. There is another realm, and it is real. God's reality is here with us. And this means that your life, your story, is or it can be a story of transformation. Whether you had success in the past or not, you will not always be uh, who you are right now. The day is coming when you will be something incomparably better or worse, actually. And I'd struggled to know how to talk about this. I debated long and hard about how to introduce this new series. Do I start with the hope? Do I paint a picture of what could be? Or do I speak bluntly about the problem? Are you motivated by the carrot being held out? I suppose I already offered out the carrot analogy already. Or are you motivated from the stick? What, what pushes you? Because I want to know, and the reason we want to know this, is because this conversation about your well-being, our well-being, our spiritual and personal growth, and the tools and steps necessary to grow, this is serious. This is urgent. This is a subject that we need to give attention to. The goal of this sermon series that Matt and I are going to be sharing with you is to help you grow today, in this season, COVID challenges or not. We all know deep down that eventually we have to move forward. We all need to be in motion towards greater health. The hunger for a deeper life can only be ignored for so long. Richard J. Foster, a great scholar on spiritual disciplines and the spiritual life, says this. Perhaps somewhere in the subterranean chambers of your life, you have heard the call. The call to a deeper, fuller living. You have become weary of frothy experiences and shallow teaching. Every now and then, you have caught glimpses, hints of something more than you have known. Inwardly, you long to launch out into the deep. I don't know if that's your story. I hope it is. Because it is possible to emerge out of this chaotic season a more vibrant, happier person. 
This is possible. And do we want this for you? Yes, we do. Do I want this for myself? Yeah, I do. And do you want this for you? I hope so. C.S. Lewis has this lovely statement that also presents to us a problem. Let me read it to you. It is a serious thing to live in a society of possible gods and goddesses, to remember that the dullest and most uninteresting person you can talk to may one day be a creature which, if you saw it now, would be strong, you would be strongly tempted to worship, or else a horror and a corruption such as you now meet, if at all only in a nightmare. All day long, we are in some degree helping each other uh, to one another in one of these destinations. There are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. Nations, cultures, arts, civilizations, these are mortal. And their life is to ours as the life of a gnat. But it is immortals whom we joke with, work with, marry, snub and exploit, immortal horrors or everlasting splendors. Immortal horrors or everlasting splendors. Personally, I've not really ever thought much about myself or others in such a way. Have you ever thought about your own journey in such a way? Probably not. It's not common to think in such poetic and beautiful ways. But he is right. C.S. Lewis is so true that we are walking towards, we are in motion towards immortal glory and beauty and majesty in the image of God, or we are in motion to something darker, to an immortal darkness and brokenness. And we play this out every day as we walk and live and interact. We are in motion. We are growing weak or we are growing strong. We are practicing love or practicing hate. We are looking more and more like Christ or more and more like a devil. At first, because of this unique season for myself, I gave myself permission to hit time out, to just hit pause in many ways. And I often talked about living in the month of March for like four or five months, because that's how it felt. It felt like March was just when, is, when are we going to get on with life and get on with things? But while I might have thought that I hit pause on my personal life or maybe on my spiritual life or something like that, my body and my spirit continued on. That just is. That it just has to happen. Um, without fail, uh, there's always at least one in the group, or sometimes more than one, and oftentimes this was me. If there was a pack of teenagers, uh, a youth group, let's say, on their way to a football game or to a youth conference, there would always be a couple of these people. You arrive at the crowded uh, train station uh, or bus station, and they would all cram in to the upward escalator going upwards, or if the downward was empty, they would all, some of them would get on that, even if it was crowded, actually, they would still, and then they would race, right? So were you ever that person where there's the the group that gets on the escalator and they just wait, like what you do on an escalator, and then there's those that go the opposite route and then they run up the downward escalator 
And every once in a while, they misjudge that first step, and they trip and fall, and you kind of silently appreciate that, and then you feel bad about it. Um, but I've, I've been one of those people where I'm like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to beat the herd. I'm going to run up. Um, and so the reason I bring up this escalator analogy um, is you have one group comfortably and without effort progressing upwards, and the other fights against this downward force to reach the same goal. And we all know that if the person going up decides to stop, that the escalator, by nature, will start taking that person back down. Now, an illustration like this could be used for all sorts of things. I can't help but think of uh, the underprivileged to achieve the same outcomes in life as those who are privileged have to work and strain and put effort in. There's this quiet, unspoken resistance uh, in so that society places on people that if they stop fighting or they stop straining and pushing, that they'll be pushed back. Um, and that is true, but that's not the analogy, that's not the direction that I'm looking at. For us today, I'm talking about our growth, our transformation. And so there are many who choose the upward escalator. You know, that if they just step onto the ledge, if I just say this simple prayer this one time, or I do this one activity, then I lean back, uh, bring out my phone, and just wait it out, and then voila, I have progressed to the top, I've achieved this goal. And that there are those who choose the downward escalator, and they have barriers, negative momentum, and they press onward and upward, eventually reaching the top. Are you the type that has chosen the upward escalator to just ride it out, or have you chosen the downward? Now, I don't want you to think about this option too long, because it's not really fair to you. This illustration in this example is deeply flawed. Because I'm sorry to say it, but in our spiritual growth, there are no upward escalators. Uh, the call to progress towards the image of Christ the deep hunger in us all to become more whole, integrated, healthy, spiritually mature people is always going to be like going up the downward escalator. And now I know that there are some of you thinking, well, there's the stairs. No, there are no stairs in this analogy either. Have you ever heard of the law of entropy? That all things tend towards disorder? or the second law of thermodynamics. Um, it goes like this, basically, it's quite simply, that as one goes forward in time, the net entropy, the net degree of disorder of any isolated or closed system will always increase. So the idea of like, that over time, things come apart, that, that things disintegrate, that mountains slowly crumble, that things decay. Now, we all actually know this to be true, this downward pull towards dis disorder. You stop stretching, and your body becomes tighter and tighter. You stop eating well, and you get iller and sicker and wither away. You stop exercising, you get weaker and weaker. You stop sharing and giving, and you become greedier and greedier. It is a frustrating truth that if you are not investing in your life, you are slipping backwards. 
The law of entropy does not discriminate. Um, If you have not been nurturing your heart and your mind and your body, you are progressing down the escalator. This is the unfortunate news of life here today. So there's the good. Transformation is actually possible. And then there's the hard. Here, today, right now, our health and our well-being, both in body and spirit, necessitates disciplines. A garden won't happen by accident. And left alone, they become a tangle of weeds and sickly flowers. Friends, I need you to surrender the myth that you will become a better human by just existing. There is no upward escalator. I need you to surrender the myth that there are stairs where you can just hit pause and remain where you are and think that you can pick that up again and that you've not lost any momentum. Hitting pause is still movement, just not in the direction you want. It is time for us. This is the season for us to invest and participate in our transformation. Here are some scripture passages that speak of this. And I believe that they point us, and all of scripture knows this and leans us towards this. The first is this, Hebrews 6, 1. Hebrews 6, 1. Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity. Colossians 2, 7, or 6 to 7. And now, just as you trusted Christ to save you, trust him too for each day's problems. Live in vital union with him. Let your roots grow down into him and draw up nourishment from him. See that you go on growing in the Lord and becoming strong and vigorous in the truth you were taught. Let your lives overflow with joy and thanksgiving for all he has done. Hmm. 2 Peter 1, 5-8. Make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And this next passage is the primary one that I kind of chose for this message. 1 Corinthians 3, 5 to 7. What, after all, what is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe. As the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The reason I chose this passage is that final line, but only God who makes things grow. There are things we can do, things we must do, water and plant, and then there are things that only God can do, growing it. It reminds us to walk with humility as we begin to work at our spiritual growth. 
And I think Paul is describing the truth of this reality, and then John describes this truth really well in 15 five, uh, verses 4 to 5. And this won't come up on the screen, but it says this, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, says Jesus, for without me you can do nothing. And so, the disciplines, ordained practices and rhythms that allow us to place ourselves before God so that he can transform us. The inner righteousness that we seek is not something that gets poured on our heads. God has ordained the disciplines of the spiritual life as the means by which we place ourselves where he can bless us. This is critical. This is an important reality. And we cannot get confused and misunderstand God's work in our lives. God grows. God grows it. God grows us we participate. Because when we get this confused, we, it leads to all kinds of hurt and frustrations. It leads us to become Pharisees, people proud of our efforts and thinking that we've somehow accomplished our own salvation, that we've turned ourselves into good people. Dallas Willard says this, how many people are radically and permanently repelled from the way, from Christianity? by Christians who are unfeeling, stiff, unapproachable, boringly lifeless, obsessive, and dissatisfied. Yet such Christians are everywhere. And what they are missing is the wholesome liveliness springing from a balanced vitality with the freedom of God's loving rule. Spirituality, wrongly understood or pursued, is a major source of human misery and rebellion against God. Wow, and it's true. We've seen the hurts by saying, you've got to this, you've got to this, be this, do this, and there's no life in it. And that's when things get disordered. God grows us, and by humility, we participate in this beautiful thing by practices and rhythms and disciplines that allow us to see this growth happen and flourish in our lives. The minute we think we can transform ourselves, we have fallen off the path and into dark and dangerous places. Our role is to do what we can to follow after the way of Jesus, to bring into our lives those practices and activities and rhythms that clear the clutter, that clear the clutter, clutter so that God can have free access to do his miraculous work. It is divine grace that our God, the creator, would grow it. The possibility of transformation, friends, is real. We can, in fact, truly be transformed and grow and become healthier, more vibrant people. And the responsibility for us is to plant water, nourish, clear the weeds, till the soil, and watch God do what only God can do. Or if you want to think in terms of your physical health, think about it like this. You can look 
in a mirror and stand on a scale and face reality, as hard as something like that might be. And then you can go and see a doctor or work with an expert and discover that there's hope, that you can do this, that there's a way forward. Tools and resources are given to you. A meal plan is set in front of you, or you have these conversations that get you motivated. You let go of the perfect and pursue the good. Your priorities can get reordered. You simplify things and make a plan that's attainable. You can do a detox and clear your head, and then you can put effort in, whether it's exercising in some form or another, and begin seeing the progress, and then celebrate those gains. So why spiritual disciplines? To make space for God to do the work in and around us. To grow in the likeness of Christ. To enjoy your life. To become free. But Trent, I'm one of those spontaneous types of people. You know, I like to do this, and I like to do that, and oh, like my spiritual growth, like you're saying like these disciplines and this focus. Well, I just want to share this and conclude in this area. Uh, Here's here's a lovely analogy that I'd like uh, to share with you. The spontaneous person who shrugs off the need for discipline, kind of like the farmer who went out to gather the eggs. As he walked across the farmyard toward the hen house, he noticed the pump was leaking, so he stopped to fix it. It needed a new washer, so he set off to the barn to get one. But on the way, he saw the hayloft needed straightening, so he went to fetch the pitchfork. Um, fetch the pitchfork. Hanging next, next to the pitchfork was a broom with a broken handle. Hmm, I must take note to buy myself uh, a new broom handle the next time I go into town, he thought. Well, by now it's clear that the farmer is not going to get to his eggs. Nor is he likely to accomplish anything that he set out to do. He is utterly and gloriously spontaneous, but he is hardly free. He is, if anything, a prisoner to his unbridled spontaneity. The fact of the matter is that discipline is the only way to freedom. It is the necessary context for spontaneity. For us to be free people. This is a series about real and achievable steps to being healthier people, holistically, body and spirit. Steps to inspire us and to remind us and revive us that God can transform, that this is real, that this journey can be accomplished. My friends, I invite you today to make the decision to grow, to be a part of this process as a community of faith, for us to decide to take on the challenge of disciplines. And why do we do this? Because God has enabled it for us, that God, by his grace, has given us a gospel of good news, that transformation is real. Why would we work out if we never were to actually get stronger? But here's the miracle when we do and practice and enter into the rhythms that God has ordained for us, we will find ourselves becoming healthier, more vibrant people. And I know that for many of you, you're feeling this. The season of hitting pause on life and this investment has come to a close. You're frustrated and you're tired by, this, by, by life not fully fitting and making sense. 
I encourage you to participate with us over these next couple of weeks, these next six weeks, for us to journey forward. Friends, let me pray for all of us as we say yes to the investment for ourselves and for each other to grow spiritually. Heavenly Father, we love and adore you, and you have made a way for us. The call for us to discipline our lives is not futile. We know that when we say yes to the rhythms and habits and practices, that we will see results and that you will grow us, that you will transform us more and more into the image of your good and great Son. Lord, thank you so much that we are not left by our own devices, but that you choose to pour your Spirit upon us to help guide us and lead us so that we can be the healthy, vibrant community that you are calling us to be. Lord, we love you. We are excited to embark on this journey together. In your name, amen. Thank you, friends. We'll see you next week.